for those who don't know what's going on in the house, you've been on another planet or you've just come this morning for the first time, second time, whatever, let me just give you a bit of backdrop where we are as a house so the message I'm speaking makes sense to you. We felt for a while now that God's been speaking to us about recommissioning the house. That means us as a people, that's not the building. The building just does what the building does, it just stands. But unfortunately, so many Christians have just been like this building. They just stand and do nothing. And uh, God has been speaking to us about going back to the recommission. That's a long story and we've been talking a lot about that. And God's been speaking to us. So I want to talk to you this morning about when God speaks to you, what should our response be? What should your response be? It's very important. And I want to entitle this message this morning, The Consequence of Drifting Away from Instruction. You know, the the dangers or the the, the consequence of drifting away from instruction. It's so important. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 10, it says, See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. That's quite a lot. That's a big spectrum there, he's been called. To build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me, What do you see? I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. And the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly. So from what you hear, you should be able to see. The ear gate has a way of opening up the mind and the heart to see what God is saying. For I am watching, and here's the key, for I am watching to see that my my word is fulfilled. For I'm watching... To see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? And so we read in that story. It continues. But from what you see or from what you heard, you begin to see. Because what you see then makes what you heard a lot more clearer. And you understand it and you enter into understanding based on what you hear. And sometimes what you see you then begin to hear. These two are, you know, harmonized together. But the key here is... You saw what you heard was one thing, then what you saw was another thing. You interpreted correctly, good, because now I know that you've seen and you've heard. I am now going to watch to see that my word's fulfilled. Can you see that? So once you hear, once you've heard, and you begin to say, ah, yeah, I see what you're saying now, Lord, because from what we're hearing, we begin, ah, now I understand what you're saying, Lord. Good, because once, by your confession, you are now saying to the Lord, I understand. Message received. Good, because from that point on, I am now watching to see that my word is fulfilled. You can't get out of it now. You've acknowledged it. And the moment the Lord speaks to you and to me and to us individually, or speaks to us corporately, giving us heavenly instructions... Your attention and my attention must become specific. Or what is the point of God speaking? If you can switch God's voice off any time you want when it suits you, what is the point of him speaking to you? What is the point of having a relationship with a God who wants to speak, does speak, only for you to turn around and say, let me pause you, Lord. I'm not in the mood today. That wouldn't be fair, would it? But that's exactly what we do. And when we, when we talk to our children, we say, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? 
and we keep drumming it in and drumming it until we get a response. Yes, I'm listening. Good, now pay attention. We have no problem keep forcing the issue with our children, our own children. But when it comes to God, we just think we can just turn him on and off whenever we want. And we do it, without a doubt. So we become very responsible the moment we begin to hear. So can you all hear this morning? Can you all hear me? But, but can you hear God coming through this morning? Last week I read to you a scripture, Deuteronomy 31, verse 24. I'm going to read it to you again. Why? Because... After the events had taken place, God began to hold the community to account. After Moses finished writing in a book, the words of the law from the beginning to the end, he gave this command to the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord. Take this book of the law and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. Why? There it will remain as a witness against you. Wow. See, sometimes when God speaks to us, see, when a prophetic word is spoken to us, it's ours. The moment God releases it, it's ours. And that word at some point will either testify for us or against us. God does not mess around with words. Have you noticed when God speaks to you, he doesn't go into long dialogue. I find God in my relationship a minimalist. God doesn't have to say an awful lot to say an awful lot. God can say one word and it can just open up a whole bunch of revelation. Just one word. So God has a way of getting to the heart of the matter. Just by one word, two words, three words. God doesn't have to say a lot to mean a lot. Because God is a God of specifics. He does not waste his words. And neither should you or I. So he says, after this, the Lord finished writing the book, the words of the law from beginning to the end, he gave this command to the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord. Take this book of the Lord and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. And there it will remain against you. I wonder how many words are still yet unfulfilled in this church. How many prophetic words are still speaking for us? And how many prophetic words did we ignore? What we'll never know is, are we where we are today because we ignored words? Or are we where we are today because we receive words? And I guess it's a bit of both. It's fair to say it's a bit of both. Now bring that into your own life. How good do you, would you rate yourself on a scale of one to five... At taking instructions from God. It's all gone quiet. (laughs) On a scale of one to five, how good would you rate yourself at obeying the voice of the Lord when it comes? When it comes to you personally, from you reading your Bible, or when it comes to you audibly from it being spoken, the word of God being spoken in the church. Irrespective of how it comes, it came. It doesn't matter whether it came in your sleep, it came in a dream, it came from a Sunday, it came from your Bible, it came from you walking down the road and you heard the voice of the Lord. The issue is how quick can you recognize the word of the Lord coming to you in its various situations and circumstances. Because God doesn't always choose a nice, quiet, warm building before he speaks. 
God's, and I want that. I want, be able to God, I want God to be able to speak to me and to us any place, any time, anywhere. Yes? Because I need him to speak at that level. Because I have a relationship with him and I'm saying, I, I can't wait for it to just come into church. Because you don't, you know, I've been to a million churches and God doesn't always speak in a million churches. I've heard a million preachers and I've not always heard God speak through a million preachers. I've preached a million messages and you haven't always heard God come through my mouth. So I know we're all capable of not delivering what we should do and not hearing what we ought to. Is that fair? Of course it is. I'm glad you agreed with me. (laughs) So we must always remember that God's word will never return void. So if God's word will never return void, how is it going to be fulfilled? If you won't obey God's word, God will find someone else. And I don't want, you can be someone else. You may be just somebody else. There may may be a word coming to you, come to you, and you're doing things that others refuse to do. Rana Bonke tells the story. One day he was getting rather up himself, proud that he's got this great ministry. And God says, what are you smiling for? What are you proud for? So you were my third choice. So that meant two other people were called and didn't take the call. So Reinhard was the third one in that line and he began to take the call. And God's always got someone else. God's always got someone else. So the issue is, are you someone else? Or have you taken the original call? Are you the original? Quite. Just let your mind think about that for a second. Maybe you might not be able to answer that and that's okay. Just say, it doesn't matter. I'm here. I'm here. I've got the message now. I'm all in. God speaks to us so that we can become his witness. We know that. The very things that God speaks to you and us become the very witness that either testifies that God has spoken or he hasn't. The very things that you say God said will have to be proven from your mouth. There's no use you saying God said, but there's no evidence of what God said. Don't ever use his name if he didn't say it. Well, I felt it. No, no, you need to be more than felt. You need to know God said. Because that's what I'm going to hold you. And that's what God, God said, I didn't stand it. Have you noticed God stands back? I didn't say it. Why use me? So the issue is we must understand when God speaks, I must know it's God speaking. Because I know when God is speaking to me and I speak what he's speaking, God stands at the side of me. And he pushes me forward. He says, that son, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then, then he begins to back his own word. Why? Because he's watching to see it doesn't return empty. So this word that's coming out of my heart, God, if it's God, and I believe 100% it is God, God will back it up. I have to show you from my leadership and our elders have to show you from their leadership that God is in this leadership by what we speak, by what we do. Because if God's not behind us, then we're just men. And we're just men going for a walk. If we're going to lead people, there has to be evidence that God is leading these men. Come on, church. I don't want you to come in on a Sunday and just come because it's a nice service. Nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. We don't do nice. We do God. 
And if, if God's not in it, we might as well all go and find a church where God is. And I say that deliberately and clearly. You must know that God is here. You must know God is here. It's not enough for me to keep telling you God's here. You must know God is here. He must evidence himself in your life. Amen? Not, just, not because of my words. So God's word will either testify in our defense or it will speak. God will stand back and let us fall. And uh, every instruction God speaks is recorded. Every instruction God speaks to you is recorded. And at some point, it will be brought out. You don't believe me? Okay, Revelation 20. <laughs> Revelation 20. 12. And I saw the dead, the great, and the small. Phil's over there. See, even Phil's in there. <laughs> I don't mean the dead, I mean the great, and the small, and Andy. <laughs> standing before the throne, the two hobbits. And I saw the dead, the great, and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Now books carry what? Information. They record things. And another book was opened. So within the books, there's another book. Oh, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Things are being recorded. Yes. Your very actions are being recorded. Your responses are being recorded. Yes. It's amazing to think, God, we will have to give an account. Yes. At some point, we must and we will give an account. Now, we as who are in the saints, we are not judged like the rest. Because we've already been judged in Christ. And we've been found blameless. Amen? So, but we will have to give an account because we have to go through the fire. And what's gone through the fire, what comes out is pure. But the rest who don't follow Christ, theirs is a different judgment. Yeah? Do we understand this, church? This is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. So, we see that things are being recorded. Every church... As a history. And you are what makes the history. You and me. Oh, do you remember sister, sister? Two sisters. Do you remember sister such and such a body? Do you remember brother such and such a body? Oh, they were such a great, they were great people. You know, they were great people to have around. You know, when I look through our history, we've had some great sisters. We have. That's some awesome, fantastic people who have laboured in this house, and brothers, and friends. <coughs> you remember the good stuff, because your mind has recorded them. You also remember the bad stuff. You remember the bad stuff. Why? Because you and I record. Now, according to our memory, how good your memory is, you'll either remember a little or a lot. True? And then you see old photographs, and you think, oh, I forgot all about them. Remember that couple? Yeah, I remember them, yeah. They were a pain in the backside, weren't they? No, no, they weren't a pain in the backside. I remember those people. Why? Because when you see things, it releases memories. Why? Because everything around us is recording. Your mind's recording. Your heart's recording. You can lose a person in life, but you never forget them in your heart. Why? Because the impression the heart takes is an, is an amazing, it has this amazing ability to store and record. And God's no different. 
When God speaks, he says, I know you received the mail. I saw you opened it. You know when you get a text, you can tell if someone's read it? You're damned now, aren't you? Your own technology is holding you account. Oh, well, I know they got the text. Why? Because I've seen they've read it. Dun, 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 dun. That's evidence one. Even your phone's recording. So, how many times are we uh, in, in ADT and I'm starting speaking, all of a sudden Siri starts popping up and wants to join in in our conversation. I'm not sure if Siri's recording our conversation, but she's joining in a, a couple of times. Everything is recording. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. So given those two scriptures I've just read, or three scriptures, Jeremiah, Deuteronomy, and Revelation, let me give you Hebrews 2, verse 1. It says, we must pay more careful attention to what we've heard. We must. Who's the we? Those who are reading it. Those who are receiving the word of God. We must pay more careful attention in one translation it says we must pay the most careful attention the most no so not just pay more but the most the optimum that the, the best you can give therefore so that we do not drift away so that we do not drift away now you and I have all received the word of God into our hearts have we not has the bright morning star appeared in your heart? Jesus Christ. Right. If, you, if the bright morning star has appeared in your heart, then you have received the capacity to receive and to hear. True? Now, if you've received the morning star in your heart and the truth that the Holy Spirit takes from the Father and makes known to us, you are now held responsible with the instructions that come with that, recept- with that ability to receive. Right? So you now must pay careful attention to what you're receiving. Hello? I don't think you can just come in here and sit and, and just fall asleep and listen for a little bit and then walk out. At some point, you're going to have to give an account. You can switch off. We don't throw paper paper at you to wake you up it's not like being at school if I fell asleep in school there'd be a chalk a rubber there'd be anything the teacher had in his hand to wake you up Boom, wake up again soon what what wasn't asleep I never once had the, had the guts to say you're boring <laughs> the thing is this is not like that however you will have to record you will have to give an account of what you've done with what you've been given So he says here in Hebrews, you must pay careful attention, the most careful attention, therefore, to what you have heard so that you do not drift away. So drifting away is part, is a a part of life that you have to protect and guard against. It's so easy to drift away from instruction. We forget it doesn't no longer becomes a priority. Other things begin to bombard our lives and confuse us and fog our brains. And before you know it, what was once a priority is now an option. Never let what's a priority become an option in your life. So never let what was once a priority slip to the point of it becoming an option. Well, shall I follow the Lord? Shall I go to church? Shall I give? Shana. At one time, once upon a time, it was a priority for you. Now it's become an option. Never let that happen. So you have to guard 
against what you're hearing and receiving because it can drift. And you can drift. Yes. So easy. The older we get, we're not as sharp to some degree. And we let other things come. You know, as the older we get, grandchildren arise. And grandchildren are a wonderful deflection. They are a wonderful... You know, when I've got my grandkids in front of me, everything just goes into the kids. So that's why it's important I have the right granddad time. And therefore, they must understand that granddad also has other times. But I make sure that my granddad time is granddad time. And I love it because... I'm getting something from being a granddad that I never got as a parent. And I love, you know, I love being a parent, but there's something about those babies that just bring you alive. And uh, it gives an opportunity for me to act like a nutter. And I do it well, apparently. And um, so it's a wonderful thing. So let me read this scripture to you again. We must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard, to what we are receiving and to what we want to see achieved. We, want to, we must pay attention, careful attention, to what we've heard, to what we're receiving, and to what we want to see achieved. Do we want to see things achieved? We must pay careful attention to what we want to see achieved in God. In God. In God. In Christ. It's so important. So I want to talk to us about this importance. I feel this is, is something that we need to talk about, we must talk about, in the light of what God has been speaking to us over this last month, we must not drift away from this instruction. And you say, well, it's fresh. Well, how, can it, how can we? So easy. So, so easy. See, intense times. Anybody ever experienced an intense time? Am I the only one? Me and Andy's the only one. Intense times have a distinct way of exposing what you don't have. Intense times have a, have a very unique way of exposing what you don't have and what you desperately lack. Oh yes. And they have a, they have a, a unique way of exposing what you don't know. Oh sorry, what you know and what you don't know. Just to expose what you have and what you lack. Intense times reveal who you lean and look to in the eye of your storm. Intense times do that. So you may go on Facebook. You may send a million emails. You're looking to the wrong people. Not that those people are bad, but in the eye of the storm, who is the one you look to? We must have a Christ... It's amazing. I look, it's amazing how easy it is to go and ask your other, all your other friends to go and fix your problem. Which is a highlight that you don't go to the rock that is higher than you. There's nothing wrong with going to people, but they shouldn't be your first port of call. God must be the first port of call. Why? Because he's the one who trains my hands for war. So, let's carry on. In ten times, intense times, and I know there's only two of us who's had intense times. So intense times reveal your attitude. Oh yeah. Intense times will reveal your 
attitude towards your own internal intensity. Because it is internal. Yeah? As well as it reveals your attitude towards those who you think has created the intensity. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them! Wait until I see them. They're dead. Scottish did is different from anyone else's dead. Did is did. As a Christian, there is a place for your intensity. And it's called Gethsemane. As a Christian, there is a place for your intensity to be played out. And it's called Gethsemane. I'm going to show you. The one who I know, the one who I love and the one I follow, shows me the way to deal with intensity. He shows me. Now if I can take instruction from him, I too can come through my intensity. I too will not drift away from the instruction. Because intensity has a way of taking you away from your instruction because you get so consumed with your feelings. And your feelings can be the very thing that causes you to drift away from the instruction. When the command is the only thing you need. Command is greater than feelings. So, it's a place that God uses in order to see what is inside your heart. Because God gives you an instruction knowing what's coming. Hello? God gives us instructions because he knows what's round the corner. And he prepares you ahead. It doesn't always look like you're being prepared, but they are the specific instructions you need so that what's coming round the corner you can face and overcome. And if you don't see that and just get swamped by how what's round the corner makes you feel, you're already start to drift. Because fight or flight kicks in. Anybody ever fight or flight? The adrenaline comes in. Jesus found himself in such a place called Gethsemane. It was a moment where he experienced the most intense intensity. Gethsemane became the place where Jesus had to learn obedience to his Father's will. You and I, if we are going to take this instruction, must prove that we can take instruction to our Father's will. Church, are you hearing this morning? You must be able to show in your own personal, private life, family life, that you are a family that can take instruction and stick to what God is saying. Very quiet in this Catholic church this morning. Jesus had to learn obedience. Why? Because he was going to become the model, pattern, begotten son that you and I would later use as the model to follow. So, if we're going to be the model pattern sons and daughters, we must show that we are following a pattern. You can't be doing your own thing and call yourself a son and daughter. You must be following the pattern. Now, I didn't say it was easy, but that's what we must endeavour to do. It's not easy. 
And that's why God gives us strength. That's why God gives us grace. That's why God gives the Holy Spirit. That's why God gives us everything we need for life and godliness. He didn't say it was easy. He said it's possible. It's doable. It's realistic. It's achievable with Christ. Because John tells us, apart from me, you cannot do it. So that means with him, we can do it. Irrespective of your internal intensity, the last word God spoke to you and to us corporately, do you know what it was? Can you remember the last word God spoke to us as a house last week? See, now, here's the issue. How can you stick to what the instruction if you can't remember what the instruction was? Well, the last word God gave to us was, be strong, be courageous, yeah? Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. That tells me opposition, right? For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. That's a word I need and we need. That's a word I need. So if that's the instruction, everything needs to polarise around that. So we need to ask ourselves, where are we going? If God's going to be with us, where are we going? What does the terrain look like? Because all I know is, if he's telling me to be strong and courageous, and he's telling me to don't be afraid or terrified of them, that means, behind the curtain, there's some ugly creatures. But he says, don't worry. But I am worrying. Well, don't worry. But I am, Lord. Exactly. Can you pay attention? Can your faith be, can your faith be in what I've said? Or does your fear have to be in what I've hinted at? Can you take instruction? 23rd, Higginson received instruction. His bottle's gone. He's panicking. He's freaking out. Just read the instructions. I am Lord, I am Lord, I am Lord. Yes, now let them read you. Let those instructions now read you. There's sometimes when you read the word and then there's another time when the word reads you. And when the word reads you, it takes you to where the word is. So there are consequences to you and I drifting away from instruction when it's given. One of the most intense times of Jesus' life was when he was in that garden. If Jesus, can you imagine if Jesus would have drifted or deviated away from his father's will in that garden? What would the ramifications be? We wouldn't be here, that's for certain. There is always a defining point in your life. There's always a defining point in every church's life, in every minister's, in every ministry, in every child's life. There are defining moments, and it's not only one, it can be two or three in your life. Because life has a way of coming round, because life has a way of, of teaching you things, but at the same time, it can sabotage what God's put inside your heart. If you're not built for the battle, the battle will just kill you. So Mark... So what does an intense moment look like? Let's have a look. Mark 14, 33. Mark 14, verse 33. He took Peter. This is Jesus now. He took Peter, James and John along with him. And here we go, watch. And he began to 
be deeply distressed and troubled. Notice he didn't say depressed. He said distressed and troubled. Deeply distressed and troubled. Watch. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty intense. I trust you've never had, had that kind of moment. You may have had situations that felt like that, but this was a moment leading up to a crucifixion. His destiny was sealed. The issue is, would he stick to it? Would he stick to his father's instruction? That's the issue. Would he drift away because of his intense moment? You say, well, it was the Son of God. Yeah, but they're human emotions. They're human emotions. They're not sovereign emotions. They're human emotions, flesh and blood. Deeply distressed and troubled. Your team not winning does not make you deeply distressed and troubled. You not having money should not have that intensity. Money comes, money goes. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Now, let's just back up a little bit. Psalm 144 verse 1 says, He trains my hands for battle. Would you all agree with that? So is the father training the son's hand for this battle? The father is training the son's hand for this specific Gethsemane battle. God is, is training your hands for your Gethsemane. There's a moment where you've got to die so that you can live. But you want to live. But God wants you to die spiritually, that is, not physically. So that you can live spiritually. And live above flesh. That's the path, that's the journey, that's the walk, that's the, that's the destiny. I didn't say it was easy, but that's the path he's got for us. And he trains my hands for battle. How many of you believe it is God who trains your hands for battle? Do you really, really believe that? So if God trains your hands for battle, then he must have the right to choose the battle. If God is training me for the battle, he must, you know, if God's got, if this is the PlayStation game, if... Got, I've got a few players here. I've got Kath, I've got Chris, I've got John, I've got me. God says, hang on, which one are we having? Oh, I know, I'll, I want this terrain. You know these games, you can choose the different terrains. Chris, yeah, I can see his background. Yeah, let's choose an hard one for him. <laughs> Fitting his strengths and weaknesses. Let's, let's bring the best out. Let's reveal, let's highlight what he has got and what he hasn't got. Let's choose the battle for him. Right? Now, in some of the games, you can choose the weapons. Can't you? But in this game, he's already given you the weapons. Weapons of righteousness, shield of faith, and all that kind of stuff. So he's saying, let's see how we can use them. Let's, let me throw a few enemies in there. A few. Let's play, let's play this man. Let's see how good he responds to the game. Obviously, it's not a game with God. It's real. But I'm using that analogy. It's the game. And he sees how well he performs and how well he responds. And, and he's, you, can saying, you can imagine the father saying, get up, Chris, get up! It's not over. I can't make it. Get up, Chris. Come on, you're nearly there. 
And then all of a sudden, he zoned out. Chris, okay, we'll run the game again until you get it right. Right. It's like these pilots in the, the simulator. We'll keep running it until we get it right. Why? Because I can't afford for this to overtake you and to kill you. I'm training you so that when this battle comes, you will be ready. But nobody wants a battle Christianity. They want a me and my saviour. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, my beloved, glory divine. That's not Christianity. That's a moment. That's a nice moment of reflection in your Christianity. But that's not Christianity. Right? Neither is Christianity all about a battle every day. But it was for the apostles. We face daily the threat of persecution. You're not an apostle? Thank God now. Still with that one. These people who say, I'm an apostle. Do you fight battles daily? Yeah, I have to get out of bed. Okay. So God must choose the battle. And he must also determine, determine the opponent. Sometimes it's your brother. Other times it's your mother. Other times... It's a spiritual force. Other times it's your boss. Other times it's you. Other times you're stood in a queue, someone pushes in. You're ready to go to war. That's not the battle. There's a difference between a battle and a war. There are many battles to fight the war, the ultimate war. But the war has already been won. But you must fight battles. And you must overcome. God must choose the circumstance and he must choose the terrain. And God must choose the heat. Oy. It's the heat that creates the intensity. Do you, think those, do you think those three boys stood in the fire? Can you just turn it down a little? The intensity of that heat. Because in the midst of that battle, in the midst of that fire, once a fourth man stepped into the flames. And not, they didn't even get singed. And they walked out. I see, before they walked out, I see there's another man in there. A fourth man. Why? Because the one who sent you into the battle is there at the side of you. Why? I'll never leave you or forsake you. But sometimes you, you and I don't even want to get into the furnace. We want to stay where it's nice and, and warm but not hot. Or when it's cool. And God says, sorry, battles are not fought on those planes. I must choose. If I'm training your hands, I must choose. I must train. I must equip. I've given you the, the weapons, specific weapons, to help you stand strong so that you do not drift away from the instructions. All I'm asking you to do is pay the most careful attention to what you've been received, to what's been said, so you do not drift away. Your issue is not to deviate away from the last instruction. You know, anyone who's been in the military knows that if you don't take, if you move away from the last instruction, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Every, the whole thing of the military works and polarizes around soldiers taking instructions. The kingdom's no different. We're soldiers. 
Now, hearing what I've just said, do you still believe it is God who trains your hands for war? Do you really believe that? Right then, so quit moaning when he turns the heat up. Now, I've got one of those HE fires at home. High energy. Albeit the one I've got don't feel like high energy. But I've got one in this room, and if I turn that one on, it's like the Gulf Stream. The warm air comes through and compensates for this sad thing in this room. Right? But thank God I've got one. I've got the heat in this room that kind of creates this nice warm Gulf Stream. So when this thing's going on and it's giving it its best, and you know what? That's all you can ask that fire to do. Give its best. But you know what? Heat, heat drifts. Heat eventually dissipates. And that's why your bills cost so much. Trying to keep your house warm. So, the father chooses the battle. And the father chose the battle for his own son. If the father can choose the battle for his own son, how much more should he be given the right to choose the battle for his own sons and daughters? Amen? The father chose the opponent. It's the same opponent you're fighting. But the son overcame him. So can you. Amen? The heat that the father, the son had to bear in that garden. At times, that same devil will come and try to tempt you to drift away, just like he tempted, tried to tempt Jesus. Now, here's the issue. Crucifixion was the father's predetermined will for the son. Now, I'm not saying he's going to crucify you, but I will say this. He'll create every kind of terrain so that you die daily. It is no longer I who live. Right, so who is this other person then you're talking about? It is Christ in me. So if the Christ in you is going to come forth, you have to die. And in order to die, God has to choose the terrain and the battle. Amen? Because when you appear before him, the Christ in you should appear, not just you. You better take your friend. And at that point, you're going to say, what a friend in Jesus I have. Because you're going to realize Christ in you has got you through. Amen? The battle overwhelmed the soul of Jesus. That tells you how intense the battle can get from time to time. To the point of death, it says. That was Mark 14, 13. So Acts 14, 22 says, Strengthen the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. He, he strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. Now, if God has to come and speak to you to strengthen you to remain strong to the faith, that's God speaking to you so that you do not drift. God has to keep speaking so that you do not drift. You cannot say, you know, if I said to some Christians, when was the last time you heard God? They would really struggle to tell you. Yet God's been speaking every week. Most, the sad reality is this, most Christians do not hear God. And those who do get so confused in how he speaks. 
This is a big issue in church. We're meant to be followers. Followers need to take commands and instruction. But if they can't hear and it's all foggy in the head, then the instructions are not going to be carried out. And that's why, and we will fill in the gaps when we can't hear God, because now we'll try and build a church thinking that's what he likes. But then when that's not what he said. Wow. He says he encouraged these disciples in them to remain true to the faith. In, in other words, he encouraged them so they remain fixed to what he said. Now, the only way you'll disrupt our culture, our present culture, is by obedience. It's the only way we'll disrupt our lazy attitude culture is by obedience. Obedience to what the Father said will disrupt any culture that's not of Christ. Obedience to what Christ has said. How many of you believe that? This is what disrupts the status quo. The status quo is the status quo because I do things my way. And I like to maintain the status quo. But when the word comes, it comes to disrupt and break anything that's not of Christ away. Amen? So Mark 14, please just go there and we'll bring this thing to a head. Mark 14, 32. Let's pick it up at 32. I want to show you the power of this Gethsemane. They went to a place called Gethsemane. Now, let me just put a paraphrase this. The Dream Center is going to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to, deeply, to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Now, to the first group, he said, stay there. The second group, he said, stay, uh, come with me, stay there, but keep watch and pray. Two different instructions to two different groups. Okay? Can you see this? Stay here and keep watch. In other words, this instruction was given to him not to drift in their focus or attention. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it be possible... That the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you, but take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but yours will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them drifting. Sleeping, they drift from the instruction. They drifted, number one. That's the first time he spoke. Simon, Simon, he said, or Simon! He said to Peter, are you asleep? No, 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 I'm just praying, I'm just praying, praying my eyes. Amen, amen, Lord, hallelujah. If you were praying to me, I think I might have heard it. Could you not keep watch for one hour? Second, watch and pray. Watch and pray. So that you will not fall into temptation. Second time instructions given. The spirit is willing. But you are weak, or the body is weak. So now he's given some insight and understanding as to what a situation is. Once more he went and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping, drifting. 
Their eyes were heavy. Oh, poor boys. They did not know what to say to him. Now their own guilt is now holding them. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! Does your Bible say enough? This pleasure is now being communicated. Enough! The hour has come. Look! The hour has come. Look! He's putting intensity on the moment. The hour has come for a fresh instruction to be received and your behaviour is not acceptable. I've given it you three times and each time you've drifted into sleep. Enough! And he comes to arrest the situation. And he's saying, boys... If you're going to walk with me and work with me, you must be able to take the instructions. I cannot have you asleep when you should be praying. I've come to you three times now and told you, watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray. Me eyes are sleeping. You didn't tell us we're having a sleepover. It's not a sleepover. And you can imagine... The intensity in Jesus' heart. Boys, I'm giving you an ideal opportunity to armor bear me in the most significant part of my life. History will record your response here. And it has been recorded because scripture now tells us their response. Can you see it? Look. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise. There's a fresh instruction. A fresh instruction. Enough was to arrest the behaviour. Rise is the new instruction. Enough brings the end of the matter. Rise is the new instruction. Can you see this? Let's go. Let us go. Now it's the together. We're all going together. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So he's warning them of what's coming. In the midst of trial and intensity, God will speak his instructions. He does not want the trial or the circumstance to remove your faith. But rather he wants the trial and the circumstance to build your faith. Amen? He speaks an instruction to you. You know what it is? Hold your course, soldier. Do not drift. In the moment of intensity, in the moment of, in, of new instructions, do not fall asleep. If you fall asleep as a soldier, you're court-martialed. It's a very serious event. And yet Christians are asleep. The Gethsemane moment was a divine opportunity for disciples to show the Lord they could take instruction and pray with him and pray into, which kind of gives you, the opportunity, kind of gives you an insight when, when pastors ask their people to pray for them. Are they asking the right people? If people fall asleep, then you've asked the wrong crowd to pray for you. 
Make sure when you ask people to pray for you, they're awake, focused, alert. People will always say, be kind to you, yeah, I'll pray for you if I remember. Here they had the chance to fight, you know, to armor bear the greatest battle recorded in history. The Son of God going up against the enemy of our soul. And the Bible says he triumphed over him in victory. This moment exposed them what was absent inside of them. This moment showed them what they lacked. They lacked tenacity. They lacked the ability to stay with an instruction. And they drifted in a very short space of time. Church, if an instruction is given to you today, but by the time you go into the cafe, it's forgot. How poor is your ability to follow Christ? So, if Jesus gave the disciples the instruction to watch and pray... Was that the instruction? Let me ask you, how's your prayer walk going on? How's your prayer walk? God gave us an instruction to prayer walk. So how was your prayer walk? And your ability to stick to that instruction going on in you? Because it's the same as the disciples. Watch and pray. And as you're walking through that community, that's the one thing God's told us to do. Watch and pray. And this is the instruction. If we can't go and prayer walk like God's asked us to do, we are no different than these disciples. Am I still at my... I'm st- if you say to me any time in the week, what are you doing this week? Well, at one point in the week, I'm going to be prayer walking. Sometimes I'm going to be twice. This week's been a bad week, obviously for weather-wise, but I still found the time to walk around Ashton. And that's me. That's not you. I'm not putting that on you. What I'm saying is, my discipline to prayer walk has got to remain. I've got to find a way. If it's only 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I find a way. Why? Because that's the last instruction he gave us. We're no different than these these disciples if we are not doing what God has instructed us to do. Because what's coming for us as a church will be unlocked through that prayer. We know that. That's what God spoke to us about. So our commission... First of all, getting us back into our boots, the first thing we were told to do was prayer walk. And yet these disciples couldn't pray. And that's why Jesus only took some of them, not all of them. He knew them lot, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. But he had some kind of hope with this lot. But three times he has to give the instructions. Now, how many times do you need to be keep told the same thing? Let's stand to our feet. We must pay more careful attention, the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. I want you to see yourself in Gethsemane. You may not feel the intensity right now, that's good. But I want you to see your saviour giving you the last instruction before he goes to pray in his most severe time. And what God is asking you to do and I to do about going prayer walking, it's so that what he did in that garden can manifest in our city. He went to the Father 
to overcome all the works of the evil one. Defeating death, sin and death on the cross. The church is Christ's body on this earth. Christ is the great cornerstone. You, Christ in you is the hope of glory. So when Christ asks you to go and pray, watch and pray, it's because Christ is about to manifest himself through his body. And he needs his troops back into their boots so that he can manifest his presence in various multiple environments. And first of all, he needs the obedience of you and I. So I want you to, I want you to see for a second, if you will, him giving you an instruction to watch and pray. You feel tired, you feel weary. He knew he, he felt weary and tired. That's not the point. I did not stop him giving an instruction. He wasn't cruel. He just knew the moment needed it. And you may be tired and you may be weary, but the instruction comes. Why? Because strength will come to you if you take the instruction. I want you, if you will, just to say, Father... I'm ready. I'm hearing you. You don't have to tell me three times. I'm here, Father. I'm going to take the instruction. And if you haven't, if you've been asleep, then acknowledge it before the Lord and say, Father, forgive me. I'm hearing you this morning. I'm going to rise and I'm going to take the instructions you give me. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. I'm not going to be terrified. I'm going to trust in you that my next steps, you will train my hands for battle and my feet. You will show me how, where, who to go to. Father, as a servant, I need to be led. I cannot have my own way all the time. I have to take and show evidence of me being able to take instruction. If that's you this morning, I want you just to come on, ask the Lord this morning. We're in a sober moment now. Just ask the Lord to come afresh And consolidate what he's been saying to us in your heart. If you've received the instruction, tell him. Yes, Lord, I'm hearing it, God. I pray for those who are struggling. Those who may, at this time, may be weak in that, in that confession of their faith. Lord, I pray for them. If you're in that place, you pray for those who are weak this morning. Let the weak say, I'm strong. Oh, Father. My God, my God. My God, my God. Kuria Samaranda. Kurianda. Oh, Rama Sataranda. Is this how you fight your battles? You stay quiet at the moment when you should be speaking. Is this how you fight your battles? You're in trouble. But you need to learn to release the words in your mouth. The power of confession. You can't fight your battles with a closed mouth. Oh my Lord. Speak to the Lord. Speak to him this morning. Oh Ramasatarabanda. Hallelujah Lord. Hallelujah. Oh my Father, my Father. Oh my Father. Mara mama sotoro bobo kori onda lama sharianda. 
Oh, Father, give us the ability, oh God, to take instructions, oh God. Give us the ability to rise and pray in the moment. Oh, Father. Oh, Ramama Sataranda. Oh, Father. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. Father. Father. I hear the word, I hear the word enough. Enough. God is arresting, arresting lethargy, procrastination, laziness. Fogginess. God's arresting it. In the name of Jesus, I arrest it over your life right now. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I arrest it. Enough in Jesus' name. Come to attention, body. Come to attention. For the Lord your God is watching to see that His word is fulfilled in you and in us. Oh, Father, right now. In Jesus' name, we arrest lethargy. Laziness, procrastination in the body of Christ. Father, I pray that you will fashion us, form us, Father, into your image and into your nature. Father, let the Son of God enfold us this morning. Oh, Father, let the testimony of God rise in this place to sons and daughters rising with obedience. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you for this word this morning. Yet again, O oh God, you give us time to adjust, time to respond, time to rise. And the instruction came, let us go together. Let us go together. Let us go together was what Jesus said to those disciples. Oh, Father, Lord, I pray for a together attitude. I pray for a wholehearted togetherness. Oh my God, let it rest on everyone. Right now in Jesus' name, I impart togetherness, wholeheartedness in the life of your saints, oh God. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.